the insight that one needs about oneself sometimes can't happen if you're sitting there alone in the room. Meaning being able to have others reflect with you and help you see yourself through a coach, through a trusted colleague, through being vulnerable about those beliefs you have about yourself. Those things are hard and you need people to, that you trust to help with that reflection. Sometimes it can be a therapist, sometimes it can be a friend. It can, it, the point is, is that if you want, if you want that new insight, sometimes you have to go outside yourself to get it. speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, excited to meet a fellow mindset human who also is in love with Italian food, just like me, and also recognizes that Como is as delicious as it looks like on TV. Without further ado, sorry, why don't let the people know who you are and what it is you do, sir? Thanks, Dan. Great to be with you. Uh, my name is Soren Kaplan. I am an author. I've written a new book called Experiential Intelligence, but I have worked for 25 years in the field of leadership development and innovation, worked with probably 30 of the Fortune 1000 uh, advising on um, innovation initiatives and leadership development like Colgate and Disney and Visa. Um, and I've, I teach uh, executive education uh, around the world. I've taught at Copenhagen Business School, Melbourne Business School in Australia, and currently affiliated with USC's Center for Effective Organizations. Fabulous. So you've got a couple of certificates on the wall then. <laughs> uh, I've, I've done my best. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know what always fascinates me? What always fascinates me is there are some people that chase the certificates, and there are some people, and I feel that you're one of those people, where the certificates actually support them to do what they really want to do, which is just getting through the door to make real change in the world. So I'm very excited to find out a bit more about the work that we're doing, a bit more of the journey, and also about this new book. Uh, the listeners know I'm a little bit obsessed with books. Uh, I tend to read a lot of them. So it's always great to, read, uh, to meet uh, uh, an author and hear about their ideas. So looking forward to that. So um, let's, uh, let's get to the top of the story. Did you start life as a young man saying, I'm going to be in leadership de development and I'm going to get certificates and I'm going to teach people. Like, was that the dream or did that emerge on your journey as something that you desired to be a part of? Oh, you're going to have me go deep from the start. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so, so let me just do quickly tee up, you know, where I've landed right now is I've written a book called Experiential Intelligence. And it's about the fact that our experiences in life give us real intelligence and smarts that complement our intellect and complement our emotional intelligence. But we don't really have a way to talk about how our experiences make us who we are and give us that kind of street smarts that allow us to do what we want to do. So now let me go back and answer your question. Um, I grew up in a household where when I was three, my mother developed a mental illness and it was pretty severe. My father was rarely home. By the time I was 15 years old, we had moved 16 times. I grew up with very little structure. I was on my own a lot. I lived with ambiguity and uncertainty at every turn. So I had to overcome a lot of the challenges associated with, you know, really kind of a traumatic childhood. 
And over time, I realized I could live with ambiguity. I could make decisions based with very little data at the last minute and be comfortable with it. I could um, manage uncertainty and kind of understand how to f- see patterns in you know kind of ambiguous situations. Well, what did I do with that? I've run startups. I've led corporate innovation programs with a lot of uncertainty, transformational, you know, transformation, uh, culture transformation and organizations. I've applied the same skill sets and abilities that I developed because I had to cope with certain things to actually achieving and, and making a difference in the world, achieving things that I've, that I've wanted to achieve and, and making a difference for, for those that I'm working with. So that's a very long answer to your question, but the same things that kind of traumatized me early on, actually not despite of them, but because of them, they gave me my strengths, my abilities, and kind of my, my intelligence that I use today and what I'm doing. So that's how I got here. Awesome. And that actually leads me down a couple of rabbit holes, but we'll pick this particular bunny-shaped cavern first. Um, do people have more to access to more abilities than they know because of the trauma that they may have gone through or the experiences that they've gone through? And what for you is the dividing line between the person who's able to take an experience and make it something that becomes a gift or a boon and one who goes off into victimhood. Because it doesn't sound like there was like a fairy godmother who came in one night and was like, Soren, despite all of this, I give thee the gift of whatever. You kind of, I, I can't see any point in that story where there was a magical moment where you decided to go off and be empowered by this experience. So what, what do you think creates that difference for people? Well, I think the, the first equalizer is everyone has experiences from the start. Everyone has what I call experiential intelligence. It's our own unique fingerprint. And, and what is experiential intelligence? It's how you think. It's your mindsets, your attitudes and belief of beliefs about things. It's the abilities you develop. And it's actually the skills and knowledge that you have because of whatever you've done through experience. So mm-hmm. if we all have those things, then the question is, how do you look at what... Um, what your own unique experiences are in relation to how they shaped your beliefs about things. What are those messages mm. that you got early on? So I, I, you did a podcast a few weeks ago where you said, you know, some of the self-limiting beliefs people have is I'm not worthy. That was your number mm-hmm. one. And, and mm-hmm. I, I had that, you know, hands down, I got that over and over I, and no one was around in my household. Like it, it, people weren't spending time with my parents didn't spend a lot of time with me. I got that, but I could also, and I had to overcome a lot of the challenges related to that, you know, going and doing certain things to help heal those, those traumas. And at the same time, I was able to look at the strengths and the assets that that experience gave to me. So I think that part of what, you know, you're, you have really focused on in in your work is helping people see what they aren't really seeing because they don't have that level of self-awareness or know how to ask the questions or shift their mindsets. It's a mindset. It's an attitude and belief about how you decide to look at your past, how you decide to understand yourself today in relation to your past. And, and that I was, you know, it, it wasn't like I did it overnight. Like I had yeah. some challenges <laughs> because of it, and I had to kind of come to grips with a lot of it. I'm amazing. 
Yeah, I wish. I wish it was that easy. Awesome. So it, it feels to me like there was a, a an organic process that he went through. And through that organic process, you simply made the decision that this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to go into empowerment and not going to go towards victimhood. And this feels to me to be a common thread with successful people that I get to meet and get to connect with and get to have uh, get to have conversations with, that there doesn't necessarily need to be a magical moment. It could just be that you have, you, you have the, you make the decision. You say, hey, all right, this stuff has happened. What am I going to do with it for you? Okay, I'm, my nervous system should have been shot to bits by this, but I've got the capacity to hold more because of my experience. Let me take that and apply it to add value in the world in a, 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 an industry or a series of industries where my high capacity for tolerance, for uncertainty, and for things moving at quick paces at the last minute is actually a value. But I'm still, I'm, I, I really would love for the listeners to, to, to be able to come to a point where they understand that there doesn't need to be something magical that leads to that. It is just the decision to make the decision. Is it your experience that it is the decision to make the decision? And are there any particular traits that go alongside these experiences that empower people to be able to make that decision? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I think that's kind of the magic, the silver bullet, or the you know, kind of the magic we're all looking for. Like, how do you just how do you just get that insight and make the decision and move forward? Like, like how do you do it? Um, you, you know, there's there's a lot of research that underlies you know my book and what I'm talking about from you know research from Stanford and Carol Dweck and around mindsets. You've got you know Oprah had a book with Bruce Perry about what happened to you and how traumas kind of create triggers this, you know, in, in, in your neurological system, there's a lot there. I, I think that this, you know, the shift can happen, you know, by gaining self-awareness and also gaining some tools to think differently and to look at your own circumstances with a new lens, because if you can do that, then you're able to reflect and learn and internalize that learning to shift your mindset because you see what what your circumstances were differently. So for example, I've got I've got this tool, I call it the impact chart. And it basically you think about the positive things and the negative things that happened to you and whether they were, you know, kind of traumatic, you know, big or little. And so you could say, well, here's a big negative trauma I had. But you could also say, here's a big positive event in my life that shaped how I think. But then you can also like kind of map out here are a lot of the little things that happened to me in life that were negative. And if you if you kind of map out, here's what your life looks like in terms of all those different kind of big events, you can see it a little bit more objectively. And then I've also created tools to help people think around, I call it the, the, the impact chart, which is um, you, you kind of look at what was the experience you had, what was the message that was delivered to you in that experience that you didn't control, that you, you kind of <laughs> assumed was true as you were going through it, like, I'm not worthy. Um, and, and then what, are, what did that impact in terms of how you think today 
and what that self-limiting belief is. And if you can, you know, it was for me, what I was able to do is kind of go through that a little more organically. And because of just what I do with business people and leaders and organizations, I packaged it up into little tools that like help people look at themselves differently in a little bit more objective way and then reflect on Mm -hmm. kind of their own experience and then what that led to in terms of where they are today. Love it, love it. Because I think one of the, 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 I'm going to be very, very careful here because I want people to be able to hear this and receive it and not shut down on it. But I, I found in my observing of society that there are people who feel that the limitation or the shadow experiences that they've been through or that they're a subject to are such that it's not possible for them to simply pick up a tool. And it's almost like those experiences and situations become so meshed in their identity that they almost become, by virtue of that, unable to break free and actually to move forward and to pull something positive. From your research, and I'm saying specifically from your research, because I believe based on the, the institutions that you've mentioned, the research is going to be very impartial. Nobody can say something about research that they can, if I said from your experience, but from your research, is that the case or is it just that some things are going to be harder to get over than others? Um, I think that if I'm going to answer your question in a little bit of a different way and I'm going to um, throw this back at you for a moment also. So Mm -hmm. my first answer is the, the, the insight that one needs about oneself sometimes can't happen if you're sitting there alone in the room. Meaning being able to have others reflect with you and help you see yourself through a coach, through a trusted Mm -hmm. colleague, through being vulnerable about those beliefs you have about yourself. Those things are hard and you need people to, that you trust to help with that reflection. Sometimes it can be a therapist. Sometimes it can be a friend. It can, mm-hmm. it, the point is, is that if you want, if you want that new insight, sometimes you have to go outside yourself to get it. And I know mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time in loneliness and kind of doing really solo things, which I, which allowed me to achieve certain things, but I also kind of had this gnawing loneliness inside. And as soon as I was able to open up, um, I, I recognized that people were, were there and could, you know, have a, a really insightful dialogue. You know, I, I was part of a men's group in Berkeley, California for a while. That's where all the men's group was, mm-hmm. right, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I flip, but I, I also want to flip it back to you because I know that you've, you know, you've talked about some of the challenges that you've had. You, you know, have gone through your own journey. You're extremely successful. Like if you think about your own experiential intelligence, how was it that you were able to kind of move through your challenges to identify the strengths that you now leverage today doing this podcast and doing all the work you do? I'm curious, like what's your own answer? Well, I mean, the foundation to everything that I teach and everything that I live is step one of my beyond intention paradigm, which is accept. I'm the author and creator of my life. So I simply do, I, I wholeheartedly reject any proposition that I don't have some level of agency, whether directly or indirectly on the outcomes that show up in my life. And that's something that I claim 
even in the face of things where there blatantly were other people responsible, quote unquote, for the final action, I still go deep as many levels as I must to find the point where the power was actually outsourced to that person to be able to bring that outcome that I didn't consciously choose into my experience. That's how I live my life. But I understand that a lot of people always reject that because they, they do witness things in their life or things in their experience, things in their environment, things in their whatever that gives them space to hold on to that victim story. And I'm not saying this to talk anybody down because I know some people have been through some crap, but to hold on to that victim story and victim identity and therefore not step into the power that you're inviting us to claim through those experiences to turn those negatives into positives. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, the, 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 the you asked about research. Um, there's, there's, there's competing research, uh, really. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is, is useful is the research on mindsets from Carol Dweck at Stanford, who basically mm-hmm. talked about the growth mindset. And if you believe that, you know, intelligence, you know, your, your intellectual intelligence is not stagnant, that how hard you work. And if you can look, learn and you can apply yourself, you can actually kind of achieve the things you want to achieve. And that intellect isn't going to hold you back. There's, there's some things that are, I think very valid there that align to what you just said. Um, at the same time, you could have some traumas in your life that kind of wire you to have triggers that get in your way. And, you know, those things need to be healed from potentially as well. Mm-hmm. So there's techniques like EMDR, eye movement to sensitization response. Okay, um, you've got meditation. There are various mm-hmm. things that, you know, kind of your, your mindsets and your brain connected to your body that you can address and heal from so that then you can start to expand your belief set. I think those things mm-hmm. are related. We don't always recognize that they're related, but that's, I think, an important thing that some people might need to address in order to kind of that physical response in order to kind of get to a place of more mindfulness about their you know, choices. There's, there's a lot of different ways in which you could look at that. Yeah, I love that. It feels like it's almost like, yes, this toolkit's available, but so for example, I, I can't walk into a, a mechanics garage, a car mechanics garage and pick up any tool and start fixing something. Sometimes we need to develop the skill to apply the skill, right? And that might be going through the healing process. That might be um, developing sufficient mindfulness so that we have the awareness, even know what direction we're going. It might be learning to open up so we can share with others so that we can identify actually what those core things are before moving forward. Am I tracking you correctly here? Yeah, I think the question is, how do you do that? And so what mm. I've tried to do is make it really practical by, by yeah. one, showing, you know, demonstrating it with some of the research, but also demonstrating it through my own story. Um, here's a, mm-hmm. you mentioned the car mechanic. I have a story in my mm-hmm. book. Um, mm-hmm. I went with my father when I was in high school to try to buy a used car. And mm-hmm. we went to a, a car dealership that was notorious for taking advantage of their customers, but we didn't know it. So a classic <laughs> used car dealership. And I just remember in this 15 minute negotiation, how uncomfortable it was. And my father was like really tense and the salesperson was tense. It was just a horrible experience. So ever since then, and it, we did end up buying the car, but it was like a lot mm-hmm. of little tactics they use, which was very uncomfortable. Now, since that time, I have been very apprehensive and weary of any salespeople. And I feel that visceral response inside when somebody's trying to sell me something. These poor salespeople, I think they they hate working with me. They're trying to just help me out. 
But I also <laughs> that experience also gave me this sense that I wanted to, and I have an ability that I've just developed to really understand the motivations of people I'm interacting with and kind of read body language. And so I look at the things that I am aware of that I had to still have to address because I feel it sometimes and it gave me strengths. And so that's just one small, tiny event in my life, but it really impacted me. And I've, you know, I could list off dozens of those examples. And so I think that if you look at those small events and the bigger things and look at both sides, where did it, you know, kind of limit me in terms of how I think or act or believe or behave and where did it deliver strengths? We all have that. And so when I do work with organizations and leaders and teams, it's really, you know, we all bring our life experience to the organizations we're in, the teams we're in, the executive teams we're in, the startups we're, we're doing. And so how do you leverage the strengths that everybody brings? It may not be on your resume. You mentioned right in the beginning of our, of our podcast here, like all of these certificates. I don't think certificates are actually that important. Life experience is important. I didn't think you did. I could feel it. If you've lived in other countries, if you know you get sensitive to cultures, if you've done things, how do you leverage those intangible assets that everyone has beyond just a resume or a job description, which will be outdated, you know, tomorrow? So I, I think that that's really where it's at. I love that. I love that. And it feels, um, it feels that there's something that we could hold on to. I think all too often, I mean, I've been in personal development now as a, an active participant for about 23 years now. I started reading these kind of stuff when I was 16 or 17 years old. And one thing that I've seen is it's very easy to get into the philosophical ideas and the concepts and to get the things on the wall, right? But to be able to practically apply it and to create change in your life is a very different animal. Uh, and what I'm excited about diving into now is some of the ways that you actually take us into that practical change through the experience that you share for, from, from your own life and the tools that you put together in the book. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, it, it, it depends on your context. So mm -hmm. I've got, my belief is that experiential intelligence is this kind of hidden intelligence we all have. There's research mm -hmm. that suggests that's true. Um, and so the question is, how do you leverage it? So I, I talk about leadership XQ, experiential leadership, experiential intelligence. And so as a leader, you have an opportunity to really be conscious of your own mindsets, your attitudes and beliefs and the abilities that you bring. But more importantly, how you bring out those in other people. And so if you're creating culture in your organization as a leader or you're trying to create social change, whatever it is, you if you're you know, in touch with what your own mindsets and abilities are and your knowledge and experience, and then you want to figure out what your vision is and how you apply that, you can bring out those things and other people to complement each other. What's, how do I, as a leader, bring out the experiential intelligence of my team of, of those I'm working with in my closest circle so that I'm tapping into their mindsets that they're bringing that might've, they might've developed many years ago. How do I, you know, create shared values and beliefs and mindsets mm -hmm that leverage everybody, you know, every, what everybody's bringing. Well, how do I look at the abilities that people bring that are on their resume that represent ways in which we can move the needle towards the change we want to make? So you've got leadership XQ, you've got team 
XQ as well. Every, every organization team has a culture. Culture is the attitudes and beliefs that shape behavior. Well, if you look at the collective mindsets of a team, of an organization, and then of those abilities, how do you really leverage and share what's going to be most valuable for that organization or team? And so there's a number of different techniques around, you know, kind of inventorying, you know, kind of experiences, sharing even vulnerably some of those experiences and team sessions. You can inventory the abilities you developed both formally as well as informally. So you can make it pretty, you know, we're, we're kind of talking high level, but you can make it pretty tangible at the same time and make it very mm-hmm. practical in terms of the, the skills and knowledge and, and abilities people are bringing to the party. And it feels that like there's multiple levels to this. Like you said, you've got our individual uh, experiential intelligence. We've got the communal in different forms. I'm sure that, uh, for example, people in romantic partnerships and their combined emotional uh, uh, in, uh, experiential intelligence also impacts how they relate with each other and then how they're able to connect with others as, as a couple also. And even then when you're going to business partnership and friendships, there's all of these different combinations that create new spheres of um, of impact that are felt by people as a result of the, the, the experiential intelligence that people are exhibiting. Because it feels like this is, um, it's almost in, intuitive. Am I, am I right? It almost feels like there's an intuitive level to this intelligence until people start bringing it forward and dealing mm-hmm. with it consciously. You know, it, it's, if you think about, um, it, so the answer is yes. And, and it, it mm-hmm. should be, in anything that's meaningful typically is intuitive. Um, really, <laughs> I, it's, it, it should, I, I, it's not like I introduced this, this idea initially. It's been around, we've had experiential intelligence forever. We all have street smarts. We develop it mm-hmm. in our homes and develop on the street. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, the original concept came out of um, uh, the former president of the American Psychological Association, originated the concept of experiential intelligence. And so, you know, I've expanded on it, but really it, it's, it, we all have had experiences and they develop our street smarts. The challenge is sometimes the smarts we develop outsmart us later down the line mm-hmm. because we're applying things that worked when we were growing up that no longer work as adults when we're running, <laughs> or, you know, we're trying to run a company. Um, yeah. But you know, the, those, the, the concept of experiential intelligence is broad. It, it can apply to parenting. It can apply to education because the experiences we're giving, you know, in our homes to our kids, in schools, um, in our communities, like all experiences create opportunities to instill positive as well as challenging beliefs, self-limiting beliefs or self-expanding beliefs. Um, we can build skills and knowledge and know-how through those experiences. Um, and in our relationships, we're all bringing things to the party too. Um, as you know, let's say we're in a couple's relationship, we're bringing our unique experiences, we're bringing our unique mindsets, we're bringing our unique skill sets. You know, one partner might be really organized, the other may not be. That could be a problem, or you could look at it as we're coming together and we're complementing each other. There's various ways in which you can you can apply experiential intelligence. Love it. I love it. So for someone, someone who's just coming to this idea, yes, it's something that's been around, but for someone who's either just coming to it as an idea or just coming to it as something that they can bring into their own lives, 
what's an idea from the book that you can share with us now? And, and we're going to make sure we give people access to you know links and so on to get pre-orders and orders of those who are going to be getting it after it's uh, after it's been released. Listen to this after it's been released. But what's a good starting block? for somebody. We spoke about getting ready. We spoke about looking at healing in order to be able to actually access and apply our experiential intelligence, not from a place of victim, but from empowerment. But what's a really powerful place for people to start with? Well, uh, my book, I, I provide people with a first chapter at no cost. And if you get the book, there's a whole toolkit that takes people okay. through, you know, all these tools and, and kind of things that we've just talked about. Beautiful. However, Beautiful. if you just kind of get to the essence of it, if you think about the question, what were the experiences, experiences in my life that most impacted me, either small or big, and they could be positive or negative. And then what did I take away from them in terms of how I think, as well as what abilities did I deliver or uh, obtain because of those experiences, because I had to do certain things or I did certain things. That's the essence of experiential intelligence. So I've just kind of encapsulated my entire book in about three sentences. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's there's a lot of nuance to it, and there's a lot of value awesome. in kind of going di- deeper dives into all of those things. But that's that's really how you get started. It's it's not rocket science, but it's very powerful and it's very simple at the same time. Well, I think some of the most powerful and impactful ideas and concepts that we can find in our lives are ones that aren't found in the simplicity that can be communicated in a few sentences i always find that when something gets beyond a few sentences it it tends to lose its potency and so um that combined with the fact that we get the benefit of your life experience and the experience that you're taking to these organizations across the world will actually support us in taking these simple ideas and making it not just an idea but something real that actually creates change which i think is where the the magic is because anyone can read an idea but do we all have the guidance to actually take the idea and make it something practical that's actually going to create change. Uh, you know, experiential intelligence for a lot of us has, has been hidden in plain sight. We all yeah. have it. We all have intelligence because of our experiences. It's our own internal yeah. fingerprint. And if we know how to look at it, there it, it includes real strengths and assets that we can leverage to achieve our goals. And that's really what the essence of and the value of experiential intelligence is all about. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, sorry, what's next up for you? Obviously, the book's coming out. When, are we, when do we have a release date? Uh, end of January is the release date. And the uh, book will be out. I am currently uh, talking to folks like yourselves and publishing. I have something coming out in psychology today, um, nice. some interviews, uh, national interviews as well. And, and I'm just, you know, kind of focused on, you know, taking these simple concepts and trying to, you know, complement what's already out there around IQ and emotional intelligence and just represent the fact that our experiences are you know worthy of exploration because they include hidden gems and uh, that's what i'm going to be trying to help reveal to the world over the next number of uh, months and probably years amazing 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 love it love it love it well i'm looking forward to uh, to getting this book on my to read list and, and starting to apply those tools and sharing my findings back with you and and with the listeners as well i'm I'm actually really, I've been thinking about this for the past few days. I think I'm going to go back to doing book review shows uh, at some point this year and just sharing my direct experiences with books with the listeners. I think that's going to be great because I do read a lot, but I've fallen off with sharing that reading with people. But I think there's some ideas here 
that I'm really excited about diving into applying and sharing. So thank you very much for the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. I look forward to hearing about your own uh, journey as well in future podcasts. Uh, amazing, amazing. Um, any final thoughts to share with the listeners today before we sign off today? Um, I, I would just reiterate that uh, you all, anyone listening here, has experiences that gave you strengths. The question is, what do you want to do with those strengths? And how do you want to apply them? Because the first thing to do is understand what they are. Then the next thing to do is apply them in a way that's meaningful for yourself and, and makes positive change for the world. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, um, your experiences may have been traumatic. They may have held within them the capacity to bring you down. But I do believe that Science Book is going to give you the, the capacity and the wherewithal to take whatever you've been through and start to channel that into potent power that empowers you to live that abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life that we love to support you living with this podcast. So till next time, keep dreaming with your eyes open. Be sure to grab the link to Soren's football um, in, the, in the show notes. Uh, for, the, for those who want to connect with you and, and stay in touch, Soren, what's the best way for them to do that? I have a website. It's my name, SorenKaplan.com, S-O-R-E-N-K-A-P-L-A-N.com. And you can get the first chapter of the the book, uh, it's freely available, and then you can get the book uh, and get the full toolkit there. There's more information on that as well. Fabulous. So we'll make sure to pop that in the notes as well. So yeah, guys, thank you so much. For some uh, someone that's listening to this podcast right now, know someone who has been through something and maybe could do with some hope that it could be leading to something bigger and better. If you've been following my story, you know that that's definitely something that's happened in my life. Looking forward to seeing how we can take that to the next level with Soren's book and look forward to hearing from you guys on how you've done it too. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.